everyone, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 10th of March, 2013. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a Send Voicemail tab. When you click on it, you will be able to send up to a 10-minute message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey guys, don't forget that you can also hear the show through Stitcher. The way that Stitcher works is you download the application to your phone or mobile device and it allows you to stream the audio directly to your phone. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go ahead and give Stitcher a shot. Alright, let's go ahead and get this show started. A couple of things. You may notice that my voice sounds a little stuffy and... uh, I'm going up on week two of having this kind of head cold thing. I feel good, but I'm just still kind of stuffy and kind of sound a little off. So hopefully it won't be too irritating for you guys. Also, I'm doing another kind of one of my remote recording things where I'm at a park. So you may hear traffic go by. You may hear birds chirp. You may hear the occasional plane uh, fly overhead. So hopefully, again, that won't be too distracting for you guys. I didn't get any feedback, so boo-hoo for me for the show for this week. And uh, I would still love, love, love to hear from any of the ladies out there just on your experiences in uh, in Second Amendment culture or in the gun culture experiences if you've had with guns, either good or bad. Uh, also, uh, again, since there's been so much stuff in the news and there's been so much coverage on anti-gun legislation and and what's happening I don't know if if some of you guys are known maybe at work or in your family as kind of being the gun guy and I would be interested to hear people's experience whether they're again good or bad on how their family or how their co-workers treated them have you so have you been challenged have people come up and say well I know you own guns and why do you own guns and or have you had somebody come up and say, you know, I kind of keep it on the down low, but I own guns and, you know, I'm a pro-gun guy, but I, I just kind of keep it on the down low here at work because I don't want the hassle, that type of thing. Now, one of the reasons that, uh, of many reasons, I guess, that this is kind of in my mind, but especially that it's, it's I wanted to talk about it today was yesterday I had, we were at a, a family birthday party. And I'm very fortunate in that my immediate family and even out into my extended family, while certain members of of certain people 
wouldn't be as pro-gun as I am, they're definitely not super anti-gun to where they would actually be hostile towards me or, you know, coming up to me and saying things like, well, why do you think this? Or why do you think that? Or why do you need a gun? Or blah, 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 blah. So anyway, yesterday at the party, we got to talking a little bit about, about guns and shooting. And a lot of members of my family said, hey, you know, we'd like to go out and shoot sometimes. And one of my cousins was like, yeah, we should all get together and we should all go out. And so I, I made the suggestion, well, if we can ever get everybody all on the same page, there is a, a range that I know of where we can go. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. There's no range officers. So, you know, we can, if we want to, we can shoot and move. We can, you know, pull from the holster. We can do these type of things. So, and the experience level of the people is, 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 uh, is varied. Uh, so the new people, obviously, we're not going to be, you know, doing really a lot, of, a lot of shooting on the move or, or drawing from holsters or things like that. But uh, again, I, I'm very fortunate in that my some of my extended family has an interest and wants to learn more. And whether that's going to translate them to into them maybe buying a gun or becoming uh, more aware of that of, of the fact that with a gun you're able to defend yourself better than you are without one uh, it doesn't mean that if you don't have a gun you couldn't defend yourself but again the odds are more in your favor your odds of survival go up if you know what if you've got a firearm and you've had some training and you know what you're doing and you're willing again that's a big part of it that you're willing to use that to defend yourself of course we're not talking about any type of offensive uh, use of the firearm. So we're not talking about, you know, going out and looking for trouble or anything like that. This is, uh, but anyway, I'm kind of going to start to digress here on that stuff. So anyway, one of the things that I found interesting, and this is kind of has to do with some internet stuff is a lot of you guys uh, have seen on Facebook or have, if if you're uh, a big YouTube viewer, you're probably aware of this gentleman and his name is Mr. Colio Noir. And I guess he's been, and I'm not exactly sure what capacity he's, he's going to be working for him, but they have seen a lot of the things. The NRA has offered him a job. And the reason they've offered him a job is because they've seen a lot of the same things that we've seen, the same qualities. They see a guy, here's a guy who is well-spoken, who's well-thought-out, and presents his information in a very interesting and, new, and, and unique way. It's polished, it's slick, it looks good without without really being over overproduced or kind of going into like kind of uh, gaudy. I don't I don't even know if that's the right word, but anyway, they're 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 uh, well produced, and I think that for the most part, uh, his videos have a broad appeal. Now, some people will say, and 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 some of the 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 criticisms that he was talking about in some of his Facebook posts was that they're only giving him the job because he's a black guy. And then he said that he's been getting attacked on levels of that. People are calling him a sellout. People are saying that he's just going to, you know, you're just going to kind of dance to the tune that the white dudes and those, you know, the old vampire dudes at the NRA want. 
and you're selling out, you're turning your back on, on the culture. And then there's also like guys like Russell Simmons. And I, I don't know if there was any others, but he was one that was kind of in the forefront. They were really criticizing him and saying that he was basically making things worse by saying that other other black people should be able to own firearms. Which, if, if you look deeper to what, what the guy's saying, he's basically saying like, well, these young black guys can't be trusted with firearms. And if you look at what Mr. Colio Noir is saying, he's saying, look, it doesn't matter what you look like. If you're a responsible, decent person, whether you're a young black man or a young white man, or a young Asian man, you can be trusted with a firearm. It's, you know, it's down to the individual. So it's interesting to see some of the attacks that that uh, is being reported on. So, and I, I wondered, of course, it won't be the level that he's got because he's he's out there in the public eye. But I wondered again, that was some of the the stuff I was talking about before. Is have you guys experienced anything kind of on that negative level, or or again to the opposite? Maybe you've experienced something that's been very very positive. Now, I wanted to talk about another thing. We'll kind of stick with the internet thing a little bit. I saw something the other day when I was at the gym that kind of blew me away. And again, some of you guys may be aware of this. Some of you guys will be the first time you're hearing about it. And this thing was called the Murder Elevator. I think I've got the name right. Uh, Again, I'm in in a a remote position, so I can't... um, verify this stuff but what it was is they were doing for lack of a better term a social experiment and there were two gentlemen that were in an elevator and when the elevator doors opened as as people were waiting or or were getting ready to come on what they what they saw when the elevator doors opened was two guys basically engaged in a what would could only be perceived as kind of a life or death struggle. And the situation that I saw, you had person A, they, they were both laying on the floor of the elevator, and and person A was behind person B, and it looked like he was strangling him, uh, maybe with some type of a cord or a rope or something like that. My, my angle was off at the gym, and I couldn't really tell. But, you know, you see the little things on there, and, they're, and what they were doing... Uh, that's that's when the little thing flashed up on the screen and it's saying like murder elevator. And what they were doing is they were trying to gauge how people would react and see what people would actually do. And some people just stood there in shock. Other people uh, took a, took like a step back, but still watched. Other people just ran, just took off. Some people yelled at them to stop. Some people, uh, there were a few people who actually got their their cell phone out and was recording it. They weren't saying anything else. They were just recording it. So it wasn't like um, they were saying, hey, I'm recording this. I'm calling the police. Some people, of course, were saying they were calling the police. Other people actually intervened. Other people, uh, I think there was a lady that was like had some a package or something like that. And she was smacking the guy and yelling at him. There was an older gentleman who actually entered in and tried to help the guy who was getting choked. Um, and I remember distinctly thinking, this is insane that you would do something like this because I don't think that they were controlling the people that were going to witness the event. 
And by that, I, I mean that they didn't say that, you know, somebody was coming up for a fake job interview or something like, you know, like that. And so they kind of, they kind of knew the people that they would be dealing with. I think they wanted it to be random and they wanted it to, uh, to be as natural as, as a thing like this can be. And the first thing that popped into my head when I saw this would be, man, those guys are lucky. They didn't get shot or stabbed or kicked in the face. And sometimes they did get attacked. Now, I don't know uh, the, the stuff that I saw. I don't know if somebody really started laying down an ass whipping on that guy if they would have stopped or, 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 or what would have happened. I don't know what controls they had in place. But after I got over kind of my initial shock, I found myself asking, well, what would I do in that situation? I'm armed in the environments where I'm legally allowed to do so. I'm not going to break the law and, and become a felon and then lose my gun rights. And if there's places where I can't go with a firearm, 99.9% of the time, I won't go there. Now, there are some places where you have to go, you know, you you have to go into the post office if you have to go into let's say if you get called up for jury duty you can take your gun now by the way you can take your gun down to the to the federal building and you, you need to make sure you <laughs> verify this stuff first but usually the court buildings and stuff because they have police officers that are coming in to testify they have storage facility and at least in arizona you're allowed to go in there and you basically it's kind of like almost uh, when you travel with a firearm you say i'm declaring a firearm and you can declare that they can, and then you can, uh, they'll help you lock it up or secure it. And then when you leave, you can get it so that you don't have to go travel to and from the courthouse area and be, and, and be disarmed. Um, so anyway, kind of getting back to the thing, I thought, well, what would I have done in that situation? Because what you're seeing is you're seeing somebody. And again, the situation that I saw, they were on the floor the guy basically had, uh, so we'll, we'll say we'll say a, we'll say attacker and victim. The attacker had superior position on the victim. The, the they had the guy had his back. He was strangling him. So under what we would think of maybe as to use a military term, like the rules of engagement. At that point. Because what you believe, what you believe you're witnessing as a reasonable and prudent person, you, be, you, you are witnessing basically an attempted murder from, from, from what, you're, what, you're, what you're seeing. And then I thought, you know what? Would I be justified in, in shooting that person? And even if I was, if I truly believed, hey, that dude is trying to kill this other guy. And then the, the second thing that kind of popped into my head real quick as I was watching that thing after I got rid of that thing of, you know, these guys might get shot or, they could, you know, whatever. Would I do that? And then the thing that popped into my head is, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? So maybe the situation was in the elevator, and I can't tell, 
is the guy that I think of as the attacker and the guy that I think of as the victim, maybe that wasn't how it started out. Maybe the guy who is the perceived victim, maybe he had just stabbed the dude, the guy who I think of as the attacker, maybe he had stabbed him in the gut and they went to struggle and the guy was using his scarf to choke the other dude out. Because if he, if he doesn't render that guy unconscious or control him, he's going to get stabbed some more. And maybe they're laying on the knife. Maybe the angle is such that I can't see the guy's bleeding because I don't take that in. And while I, I, I thought that the experiment, the way they set it up, was just was crazy and was, was reckless, I thought, well, hey, I can learn, I can learn something from this. And so what would I have done in that situation? And I think what I would, what I, when I was at the gym, as all these things were like going through my head, I remember distinctly thinking I would, I would draw the firearm at the low ready position try and cover what I think is the attacker and give verbal commands for him to stop. And I would yell that I was armed so that both people would know that I was armed and I would tell them to separate. At that point, if they didn't, or if the guy kept choking them, you know, what do you do? Do you go ahead and shoot? At that point, because you think, well, this guy is getting, this guy is getting killed. So, uh, you know, again, and especially having gone through through Mag Forty, and if you ever get the chance to do that, I would recommend that you do it because it opens your eyes up to other things. It opens your eyes up to things like, like saying to yourself, "Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing?" So, you know, and again, let let's say that it, that. For whatever reason, they're doing that experiment here, or in Utah, where there's a, or Texas, where there's a high probability that you may encounter somebody who's armed. Again, are you seeing kind of what you're seeing? And hope, you know, I, again, the majority of us, and I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for 99.9% of the people that listen to this show. And listen to other shows like this. We don't want to harm anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. In fact, we don't even... The thought that I would have to point my firearm at somebody is, a, is a something that I don't like to think about. I've thought about it a lot. And I've, I've come to the conclusion of what I would do in certain situations. But it's, it's always good to challenge yourself. It's always good to say... Okay, if something like that happened, what would I do? What would I do if I were there alone? What would I do if you're in that same situation, but you've got your wife with you? Or you've got your son or your daughter, and they're smaller. What do you do? You know, a lot of times we would, you know, some people would say, well, I'd tell my kid to run around the corner. 
Well, sometimes in a high-stress situation, little kids revert back to, to, to almost just like pure instinct. And they'll do things that as an adult, you would say, well, that, that behavior wasn't rational. I told them to run around the corner and they didn't do it. They stuck right by me. And there was a there was an example. Oh, I think I can't remember. It was it was when that school I think it was uh, got taken over. In uh, and and the and the uh, where was that? Anyway, the school there was a hostage situation. This I think a school had gotten taken over, and there was a, a little girl that had actually crawled out. She was about six or seven. And when they're playing back the, the, the radio stuff, there's a sniper. And he's asking, let me shoot the girl, let me shoot the girl. Because they can tell that the girl is out. They're trying to get the girl to come to them, but she won't do it. She starts to go back in. He requests, let me shoot her. I can shoot her like in the leg. She'll fall down. We can go up and get her and save her life. Because if she goes back in there, there's a high probability that she's not going to make it. And they didn't give him permission. And that's what happened. She went back inside the building because she needed to be with her mother. It wasn't that she wanted it. She needed to be with her mother. And if you guys have have kids, and especially smaller kids, in a high-stress situation, they may not follow your directions. They may not follow the instructions that you give them. And it's not that they're being disobedient. It's because, and it's not necessarily because they just want to stay by you, because you can overcome a want. But for them, it's a need. They need to be with you. Because on that instinctual level, they can't overcome that because you're their safety net, you're their world. And these are things that you got to think about that when you're out with your family and when you're out with your kids and you're armed, you got to understand if you tell them go run and hide underneath that car, they may not do it or they may do it and then they may run right back to you because they're so scared and out of their mind that that need to be with you will outweigh and overcome everything else. So again, these are things that, that we've, uh, we've got to think about. A lot of times when we run these scenarios in our heads, and I know I'm guilty of this, it's just me. I'm there alone, or I'm, you know, I'm at the grocery store, and my wife and, and, and my family are, are, are back at home. And something goes down, and it's just me, and I can move, and I can do whatever, or I can take cover, or I can run out of the store, or I can whatever I think my plans are going to be for to try and figure out what I would do if I were ever in that situation. But a lot of times, and that's something that I have to really work on some of my mental exercises, is what do I do if my wife is there with me? What do I do if my child is there with me? How do they... And I've laid, tried to lay some groundwork with that if something goes down that 
if I tell my wife something, if I tell, she knows that I'm not going to be joking around. She knows that I will never, ever joke about somebody, if I saw somebody walking into a restaurant that we're at, and I say, that guy's got a rifle, or that guy's got a gun. She knows that's not a joke. And she knows, all right, boom, we got to get out of there now. But having said that, I, I don't think she and I probably practice that stuff much. And I don't think, while I may in, in my head, and, and I've, I've tried to prepare myself mentally as much as I can, I don't know that she necessarily thinks about that as much as, as I do. And I don't know that if, if she saw somebody come in from a different area or saw somebody coming out of the kitchen that's out of my field of view and that person had a firearm, I don't know that she would be as quick as I think I'll be. <laughs> you know, I could, I could end up freezing up. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I hope I never am in it. But again, try and think outside the box on some of this stuff. Try and think about you know, if you're pinned or if for whatever reason you grabbed your kid and you grabbed him, if you're right-handed, you grabbed him with your right hand. And so that's where your gun, your gun's on that side. Can you reach it? Um, if, if let's say your spouse is armed and they've grabbed the kid and you know that they have a gun on him, can you get to that gun on them? Because they've picked up the kid and they've got him wrapped up. Can you then access the firearm and arm yourself? Let's say for whatever reason you weren't armed or, or it's, and this is a generalization, but typically the male is going to be armed more so than the female. So if you scooped up your kid and you guys are trying to run out of there, can your, if you said, get the gun, can your wife access your gun? Have you guys practiced that at all? Have you guys even thought about stuff like that? Uh, and again, we, we talked, you know, in, in earlier shows about that if in your relationship, your husband always carries the gun and you feel pretty good and, and you feel, hey, we've got a fighting chance because he's got the gun on him and he knows how to use it. What, ha- what happens if that task falls to you? Do you have the training? Do you have the familiarity? Do you have the proficiency to aid your family, to help your family survive? And a lot of times, I've had in the past where guys have written in and said, man, I just, I can't get my wife, I can't get my girlfriend, I can't get so-and-so to go shooting with me. And it's hard sometimes, even when you give them the example of hey, you know, bad stuff could happen. Because for the most part, we're pretty safe in this country. And for the most part, most of us will go through the majority of our lives and we won't be in that situation. Because most of us are pretty fortunate in where we live and who our neighbors are. And most of us aren't engaging in criminal activities. And most of us aren't hanging out with people that engage in criminal activities. And so by not doing that, we take ourselves 
and put ourselves way on the outside edge of that circle of where bad things can happen. But it doesn't mean that when you're sitting at Mikayo's, it doesn't mean that when you're in the theater that something bad can't happen there and you need to have a plan for that. Well, I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, so... But uh, I'd like to, again, I'd like to hear from you guys. What are some of the plans? What are some of the oddball things maybe you guys have thought of? And go ahead and send that in. Either do a recording or I'll uh, send an email. I'll read that out for you on the air. So let's talk about one more thing and then we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap it up for today. And this is going to be a little bit more on the political side again. What we're seeing... And I, I talked about this on the last couple of shows. But we're really seeing the the fruition of this. Because we're seeing that on the federal level, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to really get very draconian things going through. They've seen responses on two fronts. They've They've seen responses, and this is the politicians I'm talking about. They've actually seen literal and physical responses to them personally. So they've, they've had people call, they've had people write, they've had people email, and they've had them do it multiple times saying, do not pass restrictive gun legislation. If you do, we'll work to vote your, your, you out next time. You're going to be out of a job. And to some of those guys, they don't want to lose their job. And some people would argue, look, they would say, look, these guys don't, ultimately, they don't really care whether they lose their job. Because people say, well, they're going to have to go back and find a job. And if you're a senator or if you're a House of Representatives guy on the federal level, you don't lose, even if you're not serving in office anymore, you go up there, you serve your term, and then you got, you didn't make re-election. You're still going to keep your salary and your benefits for life. So you could have a guy that goes up and serves in his 30s. He'll still be getting that salary when he's 83. So, you know, the idea that that, that these guys are really scared on a financial level, eh, not so much. But on a loss of power level, on a loss of prestige, on a loss of... I can boss people around and I can be treated differently and I can be put up on a pedestal. Well, they don't want to give that up. Years and years ago, I worked with a lady, very nice woman, and she was quite a bit older than me. We worked at a retail store. And her husband was a, a former Special Forces colonel. I think he was in the, uh, in the Army. And he and I got to talking one day. He's a fascinating guy to talk to. Uh, and he and I got to talking one day. And we were talking about politicians. And what he said is, they get addicted to the power. More than anything else, it's the power. Because they can say, fuel the plane and get my family ready. Go pick them up. Make sure that they're going to get this and that and the other thing. Make sure that we have this ready. You know, just they say basically just get everything ready. And these guys, and it's done. And they're used to people deferring to them. 
they're used to, even though they're not supposed to, they're used to getting gifts. They're used to wielding influence and power. And that becomes very addictive. And the money becomes secondary. Because a lot of the things they don't have to pay for, somebody else is going to pay for it. A lot of times it's you and I as a taxpayer that's going to pay for it. When a guy, and I'm not, I, we'll just pick on him because he's from my state. When a guy like John McCain maybe has to go to a, a, a meeting in, let's say, somewhere in, uh, oh, I don't know, in Chicago, he's not going to stay at a Motel 6. He's going to be staying at a very expensive, high-dollar thing. There's going to be, he's going to have security. I don't know the level of security that those guys have, but I know that they have them. So, a lot of these guys, that's what they're afraid of losing. They're afraid of losing the power. And again, on the financial thing, not so much. So when we talk about like sending them home and they're going to have to get another job, well, not so much. So anyway, we were talking about the types of responses. And the second one, and probably the most important response that those guys have seen, has been what we'll call a financial response. And by that I mean they understand, much like when Obama first got elected and we had our great ammo shortage, which we're going through again, and the magazine shortage and the gun shortage. And that lasted for a couple of years. They saw how people, even during rough economic times, they saw how people voted with their dollars. And that message wasn't lost on them. And that's why when certain people would make mistakes and talk about, like when Holder was talking about reinstating the assault weapons ban, and Pelosi was like, basically, you shut up. We're not, we're not going to do that right now. You, you sit down and you shut up. You don't do that. And we're seeing that again. We're seeing that they know, I think, on a federal level it'll cost them. And the reason they know that it'll cost them is because they see actually people voting with what really matters. They're voting with their dollar. And they see that people are buying stuff up. And they're seeing that it's not just the same old people, that there's lots of people who before maybe weren't gun owners, but now are. And people that are buying things who said, well, you know, one day I'll, I'll get an AR-15 or one day I'll get a Glock, you know, but for now, eh, I don't really need it. And guess what? Now that they think they're going to make go away or be, be greatly restricted, people are out there buying them in mass. And then there's people like us that that have that are in the gun culture and who if if we were able to kind of read the tea leaves, maybe we bought some of our stuff beforehand. Maybe we got caught napping back in 08 and we said, "You know what? That's not going to happen to me again." And so between now and 12 or excuse me, between then and and uh, and now, in 2012, when the election came back again, people had kind of stocked up. But they maybe didn't stock up as much as they wanted because they got a little complacent on the, 
at the switch. Now, I talked about before that I was pretty good on the magazines that I wanted, and I was pretty good on the ammo that I wanted, and I had bought some stuff kind of right before even the election. And I told my wife, I said, look, I need to buy some stuff, so we're going to have to lay out some expenses and maybe go into... Uh, a little bit of the savings and, and and pull a little bit of money out or transfer it over because I need to get this stuff before I can't get it. And even if there isn't going to be a panic or even if there isn't going to be a shortage, it doesn't hurt me to have it. And, and, you know, it, it it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you prep. It doesn't hurt you to have extra stuff. So... A lot of people I know had, had done that, but then a lot of people I know hadn't done that. And so they panicked. But I, I think, again, the largest extent of people that are buying are people that didn't have that Glock or didn't have that AK or didn't have that AR. And so they're, they've panicked and they're trying to sweep them up. Now, one thing I have noticed, speaking about that, is I have noticed that some of the magazines and things are coming back. You're starting to see them. They're, they're still high priced. So your P mag that was what? $17, $18 maybe is now 40 or 50 bucks. Still too pricey for me to, to actually buy one of those things. I wouldn't ever do it. Not at that price. And I'm fortunate in that I have, I have some of those, uh, uh I have the magazines that I wanted. I talked, I think, before about, too, that I had uh, come across um, some uh, Glock magazines. And they were on sale for like 19 bucks or something like that. So I, I swooped up about four of them. And again, this was all pre all this craziness that's going on now. But anyway, uh, I'm kind of running off on these tangents here. But anyway... So we see at the federal level, I think that they're they're going to be pretty cautious about what they're doing. It doesn't mean that they're not going to send out feints and attacks and, and things like that. They're still always going to do that. But I think their strategy is going to change. And I think what they're really going to try and do is in states where they've already got a power base and they've already got harsh and very restrictive legislation, they're really going to clamp down on those states and they're going to clamp down on those state representatives and the people that are there. When we look at, you know, like, look at what happened in New York. Look what's happening in Colorado. And in Colorado, you can say, well, that used to really be thought of as, as a, as a pro-gun, gun-friendly state. And in some, in some ways, I think that's why Bloomberg put a lot of his money and a lot of his power and influence and pressure on the politicians there because they knew that they had a a group of people who were the majority that they could influence and push to have very restrictive legislation be offered up and then passed. What I don't think that they counted on was, again, some of those economic responses, some of those economic votes. And we're seeing that company like, I guess it's Magpul, I think it's for sure now, has gone 
uh, is going over to, uh, I want to say it's Nevada. If I'm wrong, somebody uh, let me know on that. So they're going to lose a bunch of people. That if when that if that corporation is is really going and leaving, a lot of jobs are going to be leaving that state, and again, a lot of of tax dollars are going to go away from that state. And then we're also seeing companies like Magpul saying we're not going to sell to any governmental agencies. Uh, and again, I think I talked a little bit on on last last uh, episode. About well, where do you where do you actually fall on that? I didn't get any feedback. I thought I would, but I know sometimes people are two three weeks behind on shows, and uh, so again, whenever you hear this, feel free to, to send in the feedback. But you know where where do you fall on that? Because on one on one aspect, you would say, well, look, those individual officers still. You know, we want to outfit them as best we can because they're going to be out in the front lines and and they're going to be dealing with the bad people. They're going to be maybe dealing with the same type of people that I'm going to deal with if somebody breaks into my home. And if I've got a 17-round Glock magazine, why shouldn't they have that? You know, you want... Nobody ever said, I wish I had less bullets, you know, when those guys broke into my house and I had to start shooting at them. But on the other hand, you can make the argument that, look, these guys, they are the enforcement arm of the government. And when, and like I said last time, when, when people are going to be dispatched maybe to come and confiscate my weapons, who's going to, who's going to do it? Or if it's, Again, what we're looking at is is kind of an in-run way of when we were talking about using legislation to create a, uh, a a separate class of people. All right, had a little phone call there. Sorry about that, guys. So we were talking about some of the things that we were talking about before is, is this an in-run? Is this a way to use legislation to create a privileged class in our society? So we're going to say, okay, well, you, as this type of government employee, get something that the rest of the citizens don't. And is that right? Is that is that right or wrong? And you guys know my position on that. I don't. I think that's wrong. I don't think that should be done. So anyway, I think I have probably rambled on long enough for one show today. Uh, like I said, I'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, anything you send in, I'll go ahead and play. If or uh, now the the kind of a little bit of the reverse of that is true. If you want to send something in, but you don't want it for the show, just let me know either in the email or or in the uh, in the audio content that you do that it's it's uh, not for the show. Or if you want certain parts, you know, left in and some left out, like you don't want your name mentioned. That's just let me know on that, and I can go ahead and take care of that for you. All right, guys, talk to you later. Got another phone call. Bye. Here we go. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend, I got more than on the mind. Sunshine in my brain, making everyone complain. Radio in the heart, don't be being so strange. Think I'm losing it, baby, where have you been? Everybody says, you're moving again I don't want to be right
for life. If there isn't a king to tell me to not start a riot, I, I could start a riot then. No rules, baby. Start that riot. <laughs> riot. Flip this table. No one can tell me no. Please, Finn. We need a king. Stop the riot. I'll become your king to save y'all from yourself. We have a new king! Woo-hoo! 